Welcome to Aspen Reads, a podcast interviewing authors and reading snippets of their books to help you decide if it's the book for you. I'm your host, Aspen Bassett, and today I'm here with Jen Rothstein, author of the Heaven Sent series. The first book of our series is called Atonement. How are you doing, Jen? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. How long have you been writing? Well, I feel like it's new, but I think that pretty much if you're a writer, it's kind of stayed with you and been with you your whole life. Um, but seriously writing and going to school and doing this book, probably just the last four years. Nice. Awesome. Uh, I really, really want to talk about your book, Atonement. I've read it. I love it. I'm very, very much ready for more books to come out in your series. <laughs> <laughs> so can you give us a quick blurb about what this book is about? Yeah, so um, it, this is a fantasy fiction series, and there are it's a trilogy, so each one of the books focuses on one of the women in this nine-sibling family, which is down here on Earth fighting against demonic forces, so this is a book based on the concept of heaven and hell fighting on Earth over the souls of all humanity just out of human view. Um, so this is a lot of fun. These are three strong female leads, and I hope people who read it laugh a little bit, get a little something out of it, and I would say themes for the book would probably be, especially in this first one, probably the, the power of forgiveness. It's a really big, um, a big thing throughout the book, not only for the main character, but um, for uh, the other characters around her. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So what do you personally love about this book the most? I think the fact that these women are shown so strongly, you know, there's been a lot of books that I've read that have a strong female lead. Um, and this one has three. And I love the close family bond that they have. And I sort of broke the concept of uh, a guardian angel into two separate beings where you have guardians and then you have angels. And I, in this world that I've created, angels are rather um, army-like, you know, they're rather cold. They're rather sort of following the rules. They're more distant than humanity. And guardians really have a lot of human aspects to them. You know, they sleep, they eat, they fall in love. And I did that deliberately because I'm thinking in this massive world where you have heaven and hell fighting one another, you know, the people that are down here, the beings that are down here guarding humans would have to understand what it would have to be like to be human. So I gave them very humanistic qualities, which I think makes it so that the reader can really connect with them almost right away. Nice. I really like that. And that's kind of, that's unique for your Heaven Sent series because you know, the, there's a genre of the the demons versus the angels stories, and and I love it, and I I gobble it up, <laughs> but I've never really seen the the separation between the guardian and the angels, and to have uh, a more humanized uh, characters in that way, and I really love that about your series. That's yeah, I I think that that's key, right? If you're going to mm -hmm. read a book and you're going to really relate to why this being is down here and why they're putting themselves in harm's way to help out a human, they would have to know what it's like to be human, just short of being human, right? They have right. these special abilities and they, but they have to be able to empathize. They have to be able to sympathize with, with the human uh, plight, if you will, you know, how difficult it is uh, to be human and all the different um, choices that we have to make and all the different situations that we find ourselves in. And, 
and both good and bad. So mm-hmm. I think that making them that way makes them more connectable. I think for the reader, you need to be able to connect with that main character and empathize with them. And I've always found it really difficult to empathize with a an angel that is really perfect and pure. It's sort of mm-hmm. like they're un- they're not flawed enough, right? So when mm-hmm. we're writing as a writer, when we're writing these characters and we're creating these stories, we want flawed characters in here because we that's what we connect with as readers. That's mm-hmm. that's for us what allows us to have that deeper connection. I love that. So, do you have a favorite character? You know, it's funny. The, it's, it's so tough, right? When, right? when you're writing and it's in your author, it's like, oh, they're all your your babies, right? Your book is mm-hmm. your baby and they're all really close. But I have to say the character of Kelly mm-hmm. um, was just so fun to write. You know, she's fearless and she's kind of sassy and she's super tough. Um, but there was just something about her her that sort of came alive on the pages with me and was very organic. It wasn't something I deliberately set out to write her that way. She sort of just wrote that way. And I think that that in the end, that those are the fun characters to write about. Yeah. Those are, I love it when they just kind of come to you and it just like clicks. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, because you could write, oh, you want these, this character to have these characteristics or you want them to look this way or say these things or have these qualities. Or when you're writing fiction, you want this character to have these powers, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's the way that they talk and the way that they carry themselves and these funny little unique things. And those are all the things that happen organically. And at the end, I just found that she was the thing that, the character that came to life and she was also the character people had such a strong reaction to mm-hmm. <laughs> which was kind of um funny as people were reading the book reaching out to me being like oh my god what what's happening here and what's going on with <laughs> Kelly and why did you go away from Kelly and it's like okay keep reading people you know so so yeah it just ended up being that she was the most fun to write about but she also seems to be the one that people are having the strongest reaction to Right. Yes. Those that seems to happen, you know, the the one that the author connects to the most is almost always the one that the the readers become like addicted to a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the yeah. one that haunts you and follows you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny because it wasn't deliberate. And as it was happening, I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I mean, she was the one that sort of everything <laughs> just came about for. So I guess that that sort of makes sense. That's awesome. So did you always see the story as a book or when you were kind of creating it, did you see it like it was a movie, TV show, comic or anything else? It's such an interesting question. I think that as a, you know, and I've talked to a lot of authors myself, and I think that you almost have to see a book as a movie in order to Mm -hmm. clearly see what a character is doing. It's almost like it's playing out like a television show or a movie in your head as you're writing it. But I don't think I had any sort of ambitions to sit down and say, oh, well, I'm you know, going to try to put together a screenplay or I'm going to try to put together and pitch this as something right. other than a book. But, you know, I think that as an author, it's one way or another, you know, the, the people that visualize their work as they're writing it have a tendency to see it almost like they are watching a movie. And I am similar in that way. Right. It's how the, the imagination kind of defaults yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Well, and we all watch so much television, right? We all watch so many movies and so much television. You wonder if we're not just programmed yeah. um, that way to be to be seeing it. But the book has a lot of action. And I think mm-hmm. that that lends itself to, to seeing it in that way as well. 
Yeah, it really is. Your book is very visual in that aspect. You know, you can you can see the the action scenes play out, which is it works well. <laughs> so give us a behind the scenes look of writing this book. Did you write on the go or somewhere specific? So it, for this first book, I actually lived um, south of Boston, uh, along very close to the, the water, very close to the ocean. And there was a local library that I actually had just finished reading a Stephen King interview where he was like, if you want to take writing seriously, you should get up every day. You should go somewhere, whether that's a library or that's an office or that's your school or whatever it is and treat it like a job. And I was like, you know what, that's a really good idea because I was sort of struggling that I would get these little bits and pieces in, but it, that stop and start was really difficult mm -hmm. for me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do that on the Saturdays, on the days I'm not working on, you know, nighttimes, whatever, I'm going to say, okay, you know, on my schedule, I'm going to get up and I would go to this local library and I would sit there for hours and I'd say, okay, this is my writing time. You know, this, nice. this is my time to write. And it would help me to put on you know, to leave work behind and to put the writing hat on so that I could sit down and say, okay, here it is. And I really miss that because I've moved pretty far away from that library. It's a beautiful library, an old historic library. Uh, there's a scene in the book I took right from that setting with um, <laughs> floor to ceiling windows and brick facade and yes. just gorgeous, uh, beautiful garden out back and whatnot. And so <clears throat> I really kind of miss that. But I found that really helped me. And it's interesting to talk to other authors who say that they can get up every morning and write for 15 minutes before work or write at lunchtime, or they'll, they'll take a notebook and they'll write a few things. And it's like, for me, it takes me a little bit to get into that. So mm -hmm. actually having a schedule and leaving my house is if, okay, I'm treating this like, this is my time to do this was super helpful. Nice. I really like that. So a question for our listeners is why read this book? What will, what will our listeners get out of reading this book? Well, I think, you know, it's such a good question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to say, because, and it's one of the more difficult things it really to is. ask, especially of a self-published author. You know, I get this a lot, like, why should I read your book? There's a million books. Why should I read your book? And it's, it's this weird position you put an author <laughs> in. It's like, oh my goodness, read my book because it's awesome. Right. I mean, that would be, you know, it, that's, it, everybody could say that, but it doesn't necessarily ring true. I think it's, it's, it's one of those situations where if you like the concept and you like the supernatural and you like supernatural thrillers, because I love thrillers and I love thrillers that have a little bit of a supernatural bent to them. And I love the show Supernatural. Right. Yes. Um, so who doesn't for many reasons, <laughs> right? Um, but, it, you know, I think if you like those concepts and you like um, that sort of genre and you like a fast pace, then I think you'll really enjoy it. And I think what's different about it is you have nine siblings down here working together, that this world is really massive. And if you think about like even the show Supernatural, it's just two brothers, right? Mm -hmm. For most of the time you think, how can they be conquering this giant world with just two of them? <laughs> it was one of those things that always cracked me up because mm -hmm. I would be like, how this, you know, there's so many monsters, there's so many demonic forces, hell would just have to be massive. It's just these two guys, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking this world would have to be huge and we're, this is just one little piece of it, but yet the family of siblings, the nine of them, that's a pretty big family down here doing mm -hmm. this. So I think that I've sort of blown the world up and maybe 
appropriately put it for the size that it would have to be. Um, so I think that that's fun and that's a little bit different. And of course, you always like the opportunity to see uh, strong female leads um, that are okay being female because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's many who are strong, almost pretending to be a man. And that mm-hmm. really doesn't work for me. And then there's, oh, it's a strong female lead, but she's still saved by a man. And that doesn't really work for me. So I think <laughs> I ended up writing what I would have wanted to see myself. Nice. But I think for your readers, if they enjoy the genre and they like thrillers and they like a fast pace, then I think they'll enjoy it. Nice. I love that. And I have to say, you know, that the everything about that, the the large family, the strong females who work together and there's multiple women in this series or in the in atonement and heaven sent and that's kind of unique like even if it's written by an author usually there's only like one or two females <laughs> and yeah. so there's multiple women they talk about more than just boys they get stuff done <laughs> <laughs> they save yeah. themselves they save the world I love it yes yeah, I, th- I wish there was more like that, that were, mm-hmm. were sort of, you know, tough, but still female, right? You mm-hmm. can have many facets of yourself. But at the same time, you know, you don't have to put down a man to have these women raised up either. So they have a good relationship with mm-hmm. their brothers, they have a good relationship with the other men in their world. And I just think it's really well balanced. I think it's reflective of of the reality of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we don't have to put somebody else down to bring ourselves up and I and I think that that's maybe refreshing a little bit. Very refreshing, yeah. I I completely agree. I love it. So Jen has a snippet of atonement to share with us. This reading is brought to you by Fable Grounds Coffee. What's a better combination than coffee and books? Over at Fable Grounds Coffee, you can find delicious, fresh roasted coffee themes around your favorite books. From Lord of the Rings to Red Rising, there is something for everyone. Head over to fablegroundscoffee.com and use Thank You 10 to save 10% off your first purchase. Excellent. So I'm going to set this up just a little bit, which this is from the beginning of the story. And this is in the main character, Genevieve O'Mara's point of view. And she has come upon a group of uh, demonic beings. And this is what happens. <clears throat> Jen looked up at the sky shook with thunder and lightning pierced the darkness. A large reddish brown glow formed around them. Something was coming. Get back, go to the tree line now, Michael shouted as he ran motioning with his hands. Jen watched her brothers run towards the trees and followed them. As they got to the relative safety of the forest, they turned back just as a hellfighter and two hellions arrived in the middle of the field, noticeably pissed at the number of fallen comrades that lay at their feet. Hellfighters hadn't been seen on Earth in decades. Jen couldn't remember the last time they encountered one. At least it's not a newborn, Jen sighed in minor relief. Watching the demon's somewhat labored movements, she thought, he's older. He wouldn't be able to stick around too long. The demon was set ablaze in hellfire. His large frame, long arms, and dragon-like head just a mere outline in a shadow of rolling flame. Once away from hell, the flame dwindled and its skin cooled to a leathery black, veined with streaks of red. The hellfighter's blood was made of venom, cast from those tormented in hell. It was hell's deadliest weapon against heaven. The upper level demon's venom was fatal. Even its sweat was enough to cause serious damage. 
newborn hellfighters carried the most lethal dose of venom in their blood because the essence of the tortured still lingered. Though the hellfighters' venom was poisonous, its physical strength faded over time, which meant they couldn't stay away from the source that manifested them for very long. The arrival of a hellfighter would typically signal the end of the battle. In most cases, a guardian would be forced to vacate the scene, but the Omaras had a weapon of their own. Before the hellfighter could make a move, Kelly arrived, taking a stance between the demons and her siblings. One of the hellions lunged wildly at Kelly's head, but she ducked, and the demon's momentum sent him tumbling across the field behind her. Michael stepped out from under the tree-lined covering and stabbed the beast through the ankle, quickly stepping away in case the animal had blood running through it tainted by the hellfighter. The hideous beast howled like a rabid animal. Michael's blade had penetrated all the way through to the ground, effectively pinning the hound in place. Kelly threw a knife at the second hellion's ear, landing a blow that sent the monster to the ground in a heap. It attempted to gain relief by clawing at the blade, trying to remove it as it rolled back and forth across the grass. Blood gushed from the dog-like creature's head, and he squealed as his skin began to burn, puffs of steam wafted above its head. <clears throat> she must have did the blade in holy water, Jen presumed. Nice touch, Jen thought. The odds were even now. It would be Kelly one-on-one -on -one against the hellfighter. The demon stomped forward, taking an enormous swing at Kelly. She blocked it and then used the demon's own momentum against him. Kelly pulled down as the demon's weight was propelled forward. The demon fell to one knee and Kelly grabbed onto its neck and swung up and onto its back, harnessing her legs around his shoulders and tucking her feet under his arms for stability. The hellfighter got back to his feet, grabbing at her, twisting and bucking as he tried to pull her off, but she held on. She threw a guitar at the second wounded hellion's heart and his chaotic rowing movements instantly halted. The pinned hellion pulled at its leg until it ripped and tore away from the ankle, still tethered to the ground by Michael's sword. The beast hobbled toward Kelly, leaving a bloody trail behind it. By the time the wounded hellion reached its master, Kelly had killed the hellfighter. As the hellfighter collapsed to the ground, Kelly jumped off the demon, kicking the wounded hellion lurching toward her. Jumping onto the hellion's back, Kelly pulled out a long silver blade and plunged it into its head, killing it instantly. Getting to her feet, Kelly turned to her siblings. Sorry, I couldn't find my stupid boots. Kelly's sweatshirt smoked as the remnants of demon blood soaked through. She swiped hard, but it would burn to her skin if she left it on. Though she was immune to the poison, her clothes weren't. I'm surprised the hellfighter didn't put up more of a fight, Michael commented. What do you mean, Dan asked. Did you notice anything odd when you were fighting it, Michael asked Kelly, but then didn't wait for an answer. It should have been harder to kill. Even though he was obviously older, he should have put up more of a fight. He was pretty feisty, Kelly shot back. Jen interrupted me. Do you smell that? Kelly was quick with a retort. Yeah, I know. Hellfighters reek. It's all over me. Kelly had attempted to clean the venom off. Huffing loudly, she finally gave up and pulled the sweatshirt off, tossing it into the burning pile of debris. No, not that. It smells like a fire, a real one. Jem was looking in the direction of the building. She could no longer see nor feel Deb. I can't feel Deb. They didn't want us walking toward the building. They wanted us up here. Whatever pulled me here, it's down there. Jen pointed toward the hillside. This must have been a distraction from the real target. We need to move. Go, 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 Xavier started running, and everyone followed. <laughs> Even though I've read it, that gets me all excited. 
That's a good scene. It is a very good action-based scene. It, it, I think there's a lot of things it tells you in that very short mm -hmm. excerpt. I think it tells you how well they work together. I think it tells you how good they are at organized and fighting and having each other's back. You know, it really does a good job showing that, that you know, Kelly is tough and ready for that fight, but that her siblings are there to support her and back her up. Um, you know, I, I think it gives you the sense of the world too, you know, that, that even though they're tough and there's a lot going on, you know, there are things that can hurt them. There are things mm -hmm. that can wound them and things that they're fearful of. And that this is a, a pretty dangerous uh, place to be <laughs> roaming around. And I like that, you know, that, that they're not sort of uh, immune from everything or that they're not perfect, even in the way that they tackle the situation, but that they're running towards the danger head on. Yeah. Oh. Very well said. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, a lot of fun. I think if you heard that excerpt, you're thinking, yeah, I'm down for yeah. that. The big fight, you know, this hell creatures, the things from heaven, there's a lot going on, um, you know, descriptions of, of different things. So I think you're sort of, of, of down for the ride, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> if that'll, that'll hook people. are going to need to read more of that. <laughs> That's the idea, right? <laughs> exactly. And if you want to read more of Atonement, you can purchase it on Amazon. It is available as both a physical copy and a Kindle, if I'm correct. Yeah. Jen Rothstein has graciously agreed to give away one signed hard copy of her book to the lucky winner of our Instagram giveaway live from October 26th to October 28th, 2020. You can find out more information by following me on Instagram at, at Aspen Bassett and be sure to follow Jen at JLRothstein1. Thank you for listening and thank you, Jen, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, lovelies. <laughs>